0: This is episode 121 with Jackson Stone. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, forever athlete, and your personal performance coach, helping you find your flow. Today, I sit down with Jackson Stone, a former Division I baseball player, pro wrestler, coach, and mental health activist. Since graduating in 2014, Jackson has taken many different paths, but 2020 was the year that he really found his purpose and his passion. Mental health is at the core of everything he does, and his mission is to create deep connection within ourselves while integrating different communities and facilitating real genuine connection. Jackson has traveled the world wrestling and continues to do so as an independent professional wrestler while working with experience wrestling. Jackson hosts a hit podcast called Jackson Talks everybody and creates daily content on social media to spread optimism empathy and mental health awareness jackson and i dive deep into mental health identity and how being a human first goes a long way and how we overall perform so let's roll with it today i'm joined by jackson stone the pro wrestler how are doing? (laughs) i'm fantastic fantastic
1: thanks for having me on grateful to chat with you for a bit
0: I'm glad you're not out of breath after those two miles you put in beforehand. You're feeling good. He's <laughs> gonna put me on blast right away. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying, dude. I've never been a runner. Never been
1: a runner, but I'm trying to just do some different stuff. So running two miles for me is like,
0: whew, it's a lot. Twenty miles, right? Twenty. That's that's what I I think I misspoke there, right?
1: It's yeah, twenty minus the zero at the end, yeah. <laughs>
0: I love it, man. I'm excited to dive into your story, who you are, obviously beyond just an athlete, but take us through kind of your journey. You started off in baseball. How did you progress there and then now find yourself into the wild west of pro wrestling?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool story. Well, baseball was definitely my, my first love. First and foremost, fell in love with that when I was like probably three or four. My grandpa was a ball player, just got into it right away. My mom was always into sports. She was a bit of a volleyball player growing up. Her side of the family is kind of where I get my size from. Yeah, I fell in love with ball, and, but I was never really good at it until about my junior year of high school. So it was just something that I continued to do because I loved it. And then I hit a growth spurt my junior year of high school. I just all of a sudden became 6'1", 230. And that just was like a big boost in confidence. And with sports, confidence is everything. And so I just started to believe in myself as a ball player. Always wanted to play professionally, but at that point, I was getting more realistic about who I was, and I never thought that was possible. And then around the same time, I fell in love with my second thing, which was WWE a professional wrestling. And so I just kind of told myself that I would play baseball as long as I could. And then I would just become a pro wrestler. I happened to get decent enough at baseball to get a division one scholarship. And so then the wheels started turning a little bit in my mind. I'm like, oh, I could, I could, I'm a division one now. I can maybe play pro. So it started to go kind of full throttle on that. Wrestling took a back seat for a bit. Then, uh, yeah, I played four years division one baseball. was an all American Thought I was going to get drafted my senior year. Never happened. Did a few tryouts for the Braves. Those didn't go well. And so, yeah, my baseball career kind of ended. But I'm lucky. Unlike most athletes, I feel like when our sports career ends or we graduate from college, we feel like we're lost. You know, we don't know who we are. You talk about that a lot. I mean, And so I was lucky enough to just transition right into being a pro wrestler. So I didn't have time to discover who I was, I just decided to dive into something else and go into that. And then that's kind of when I became Jackson Stone, the professional wrestler. My real name is Aaron, by the way, but Jackson Stone is my social media handle. So we'll just go with that for now. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of a little tidbit about it.
0: I love that piece there. You talk on, like, you just kind of threw yourself into the next thing. And I've spoken on that. And really when I look At my own personal journey, I'm like, was that, quote, unquote, the right answer? Um, I don't know if there is a right answer or wrong answer, but how it sounds like throwing yourself into pro wrestling right after, you know, the tryouts don't go your way and you're figuring out what's next. You just kind of move on versus pausing and processing and sitting with that question of like, who are you beyond just your physical self? It sounds like that's benefited you in your story at least.
1: Yes, it did. It did until it didn't, okay. basically. I mean, it definitely did. Because I think as as high level athletes, we have this like we can overcome fear. We just kind of jump into the deep end because you know we we can't we can't fly if we don't jump. And it's worked for us previous. And so it might work for us again. <clears throat> and it definitely worked for me, you know, as a professional wrestler. I was that was my full time job within within two to three years of starting it. And so that was amazing. But I was not performing as myself. I was performing as Lights, Camera, Jackson. I was pretending, literally pretending to be a movie star four days out of the week. And that can put a strain on you just as much as, you know, going to your nine to five and putting on a facade there as well. It's the same kind of idea. You know, all my social media channels, all my YouTube videos were highly curated, fixed. I was using my parents' car and my sister's house and like all of these things like, and I was, I was not making money, you know, I was, you know, I was working as a personal trainer at the same time as well. So like I wasn't rich or anything, I wasn't a movie star, you know? And so that, that after like three or four years, that definitely put a, like a deep strain on me. And then I had a few things happen in my personal life, which I'm sure we'll get into when we talk more mental health, that just made me rethink that and then kind of take a dive into my own personal space, who I was, try to like untether the, the strengths that I built as an athlete and, like, remove them from just the action um, and, like, try to add those in other areas of my life. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think to your point there at the very beginning, it's, like, that next play mentality that served us very, very well on the field or in the pool for me, it's, like, forget about what just happened. Like, it's on to the next thing. Like, that can serve you really, really well up until a certain point. Mm Mm-hmm in a larger macro picture, like that's essentially the mentality that you took shifting careers here. It's like, all right, next play. It doesn't really matter. But to your point, like eventually like that alter ego and like switch, flipping that switch into this extra persona can serve you up into a point as well. And it sounds like that was kind of, you were playing a part and it wasn't necessarily who you authentically were. What was that process like as you were starting to discover two, three years down the road of like, is this really who I am? Can I have this alter ego exist within me? Is it an extension of me? Is it an expression of me? Or is it not an alignment of who I am as a person?
1: Yeah. I. It, just, it becomes hard to to turn off. You know, you say I'm only this person when I'm in the ring in front of a crowd. And that's not really true. Now I'm acting like this egocentric kind of dickhead in my real life. And like, well, that's not really who I am, but I'm like so caught up in this thing about playing this person that that's what it became. I don't know if it was to that extent for me, but in pro wrestling, that's where a lot of the, the struggles come from. That's where a lot of the alcohol and drug use comes from because how do I not return to who I actually am and continue being this character seven days a week, 247, 365? How do I escape my reality? And there are so many parallels to that with, with everyday people in our lives. It's just an extreme in pro wrestling because we are in front of a crowd, you know, getting judged by a room full of people that have no idea who we are, but we also don't know ourselves at the same time. And so I loved it until it became something that was weighing on me too heavily. And then I couldn't, I couldn't make the distinction. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was at.
0: Was there a moment that really stands out to you that was like this, aha, I I don't, the lines are too blank blurred now, or was it just kind of a a series of things over time and you just woke up one day and you're like, Holy shit. Like, how did we get here? It was, it was a bit
1: of a a combination of a bit of both. Like I was feeling that Lights, Camera, Jackson wasn't how I wanted to portray myself anymore. And then one specific moment that's kind of shaped the last three years of my life happened, which I get into a little more detail about this in a bit, but I lost my sister in September of 2018. So I was like thinking about who I wanted to be. And then I lost someone that I love dearly. And then after that, it was a whole total reevaluation of my entire life. Like what's actually important? Who do I want to be? You know, just everything flips upside down and you start to really think about what's important and is it important for me to, to put on this facade? You know, that's when I started talking about mental health deeply. That's when I started doing all these other things. And I, and I wanted to, the things that I was posting about on social media to line up to who I was at wrestling shows. I wanted the fans that came to the wrestling shows to believe the stuff that I was posting about. I wanted to be about it. I didn't want to be this guy who was posting about mental health and and taking care of yourself on the internet and then go to the show and have to pretend to be this bad guy and telling the crowd to shut up. Like that just didn't, it didn't sit well with me. And so I had to basically, you know, shut down this whole lights, camera, Jackson thing, right. I still have a pretend name, but everything is stitched together now for me. And so it's, it's, it's a lot more freeing. It's much more comfortable. I feel like I can post anything I want now on social because that's exactly what it is. And then when I go to shows and I talk to fans and they're like, wow, this helped me so much or like, it like means something to me because it's actually what I'm trying to do and, and the approach that I'm trying to take.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge pivotal moment in your career. And then it changed kind of the trajectory of everything there how did that go down with wwe because i think a lot of your job quote unquote, job security there is your ability to play that role that they kind of script out for you you know how did those kind of conversations go down was there a conversation around like hey like i really want to have my character be a little bit more all-encompassing rather than just like highlighting these fitting the narrative that they've kind of written for you over the years?
1: Well, luckily I don't work for WWE. Perfect. So, but actually that's a, that's a brilliant point though, because I, when I started wrestling, I only wanted to work for WWE. Like that's the pinnacle. That's where it's at. I actually had a, tr- I had a tryout in 2018, like a few months before I lost my sister and I had a tryout. That's all I wanted to do was get signed. And then it's, it's, it's interesting how life works out, you know, two months later, the, the worst thing that ever happens to me in my life happens. And then I decide that if I got signed to WWE, I wouldn't have ever been able to do any of the things that I'm doing now because as like you said, they own my character. They own basically what I post. They own outside ventures. They own all of that. So, so the podcast wouldn't be a thing. You are loved wouldn't be a thing. You know, none of these other ventures that actually are what I want to do would, would have started. And so You know, life has a way of working out the way it should and the universe kind of has your back. But to your also to your point, when I did start posting about things like our feelings and how men can be sensitive and masculinity and mental health, I did get a lot of messages from wrestling promoters that I did work for that they were worried that I wouldn't be able to be the same wrestler because I was talking about things that weren't tough and manly. And so that was kind of the vibe that I got early on, which you know, goes right to the point of how we view mental health, how we view men's emotions that I can't portray myself or I can't talk about mental health and still be an athletic competitive, you know, pseudo tough guy. And so a lot of things kind of fell into place and, you know, got, got brought to light through those moments.
0: Yeah. I mean, talk about toxic masculinity in that sense of like it's feeding that narrative of like, it has to be suppressed emotions and, show up as these other things otherwise you don't fit that typical archetype that we have come to known as like oh that's that's a a masculine macho dude like that's the example I think it's great what you're doing of shifting that narrative and changing how society in a sport like pro wrestling is viewing like who a man can be how have you navigated that over you know since that time as you're so i'm sure i mean something i struggle with where it's like how can i learn to express my emotions in a way that's like still quote unquote manly or do we just yeah that you know notion that expressing emotions doesn't have a, a gender norm associated with it like we're all just humans at the end of the day and because we're humans we're going to express emotions in different ways and in fact gonna be better when we express emotions rather than suppress them.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on that, on that second point, right? I don't think there's, you know, the the best men in the world that I know have traits of being masculine and have feminine traits. And I think that's what the intersection of that is, is where the beauty lies really. Right. Because at some points in our lives, we have to decide that we need to take care of our family. We have to decide that we have to be tough in this moment so that I can show strength to my kids, my daughter, my wife. But What we forget is that once that's over, we still have to take the time to then express our emotions, maybe away from them in a private vacuum with a therapist, with friends, you know. So there is both sides to that coin, right? Sometimes you do have to say, I got to get this done because this is what needs to be done. But everyone at some point has to that man, woman, whatever doesn't matter. Right. But there also has to be that safe place. Where you can express, let go, release, relax, and have both those sides of of the divine masculinity and the divine feminine at the same time, like that's the intersection I think that's where that's where the magic is,
0: yeah, it's funny. I mean, we see it in other areas right now, like gender norms being kind of stripped away from the fashion industry in particular is one that I see like time and time again coming in with a pink shirt right now, where it's like back in the day, you know like no, oh, like what are you doing wearing pink kind of deal right. but I think it's important to to your point there, like creating that space to allow, you know, those feelings to be expressed in a constructive way rather than a destructive way. I think a lot of us, when we aren't proactive in creating that space, we turn, we're much more likely to turn to those destructive ways of expressing ourselves, whether that be alcohol addiction, drugs, you know, gambling might be one of those versus channeling it towards just having a a normal conversation with other guys that are maybe going through something similar or a workout is a fantastic way to kind of express those emotions that I think former athletes really forget about because it was just such a given for so much of their lives that now Mm -hmm. they have to actively go out and pursue it. And it's like, we forget that. What are ways that you've created space to make sure that you're kind of staying on top of and being proactive with expressing yourself?
1: The number one thing that's helped me was support groups. When I lost my sister, she died by suicide, by the way. That's why mental health is so important to me. I don't know if you pick on up that, but I'll just mention that. And so I had no idea how to handle it, obviously. And so the one thing that I saw on the internet that people were tweeting about or whatever was... Support groups. And so I found a support group of suicide loss survivors. And I've been meeting with the same group of people every single week since like December of 2018. And it's men, it's women, it's all people who have lost a loved one to suicide. And it's the single most important thing that has saved my life since that moment. And that's why starting support groups in my own nonprofit has been one of the biggest things that I want to do. We both know Griffin. You know, he started a support group with us guys and that just sense of community and camaraderie is everything. Like you said, being a former athlete, we got that. I was always around my teammates, always, even when I didn't want to be, they were around, right? Practice lifts, study hall, everything, bus rides, always teammates. And one of my b- absolute biggest fears of not playing baseball anymore was not being around people that I loved and that I shared a common interest with. Mm. And I was lucky enough to have that same kind of camaraderie, camaraderie and pro wrestling, but a lot of people don't have that sense of community or connection. And we, everyone has this like one or two unique interests that can connect people in ways that are so beautiful and magical we just have to be able to say that we like these things, even if they may be weird or uncommon. There's a group of folks that love the same thing and being just a part of that and having someone to lean on, you know, because no one really does anything great alone. And so we got to be able to link arms and support each other in those moments. But to answer your question, support groups are sa- literally saved my life. I don't like point blank. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the support groups.
0: Yeah, man. I think there's so much power there. And a lot of your story really does resonate with me in that sense. I don't fully understand it. And I don't think either of us ever will. I don't think that's our job. But knowing that other people are going through this and the work that you're doing with You're Not Alone and just your social channels, creating your support groups of your own, I think is, it speaks volumes to the person that you are and the the impact that you're making in this world so unknowingly you've impacted me there man so i appreciate it big time what's been that process as you've kind of been building out all that you're building out now of this i mean what i love about it, it's an extension of you as a person it really is a personal brand Mm -hmm. how has that gone of building it out over the years here
1: yeah, it's been one of the most rewarding things. I'd say besides the support groups, like having something to feel purposeful about has also definitely changed my life. I mean, the You Are Loved. So I, I run a nonprofit organization called You Are Loved. You can go to youarlovelife.com if you want to check out some more stuff, but it started by I just wanted to do a t-shirt. I wanted to do a t-shirt that said You Are Loved on the front had my sister's initials on the back. I wanted to donate it to American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And that was what I wanted to do. I was a few months after she passed because I had to literally, you know, I had to pick myself up, you know? And so that was where it started. And like, I sold like 200 shirts. And so I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is like, something that I could like further do. And so I was like, what does mental health need more of? And I was like, oh, people sharing their stories because everyone is going through something. Most of the time, none of us know about it. It's hidden. It's pushed away. And the more we share stories, the better. I mean, we saw that with Naomi Ostaka, right, coming out and and sharing her story, which gives courage to all the other athletes to do the same. And so I was like, okay, how do I share stories? So I was like, I'm going to do a weekly mental health video some with other people sharing their story, me sharing my story that ended up just going really well. And it just, again, made me feel super purposeful. And then this just kept rolling. I kept doing more stuff, taking classes, going to events, going to conferences, talking more about it on my social channels, restructuring my entire life, my wrestling character, who I was, like just diving deep into, into all this stuff, personal development, my own journey, And then during quarantine, I had a bunch of time, so I made You Are Loved an official nonprofit, and now we run a bunch of support groups. We sponsor people's treatment, have really cool merchandise which goes directly to mental health initiatives. That's kind of how it started, and I don't know where it's going, but I absolutely fucking love it, and so I'm grateful to be able to do it and to hear people's stories of hope and resilience and love, and it's like, yeah, it's really quite magical.
0: I think that's the beauty of it, right? Like you were able to take obviously a very, very impactful event in your life, a devastating one. And after some time, turn it into a t-shirt, something as simple as a t-shirt, which sounds crazy. And it's like, how how can, but I think that's the power in it too, right? Like something as simple as a t-shirt, like I know personally now, I like resonate so much more with, and I think a lot of people out there resonate so much more with a brand when it is more than just a t-shirt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like when they're purchasing a you are loved, t-shirt like it's beyond just oh it's the school sweet new streetwear t-shirt that <laughs> is trendy right now you know like it's, yeah it's buying into this bigger mission and this bigger vision and it's beautiful what it's become for you and i think what's super cool too is to see your growth with all of that you know it's i always say with the podcast like personally like very selfishly like i love where this has gone like yeah I love having these kind of conversations. I never thought I would be sitting here about two years ago when this idea first came into my head, talking about what we're talking about today. And it's it's a beautiful thing. So I'm glad you're experiencing it as well on your end.
1: Yeah, man, it's incredible. And it's just funny how like random stuff kind of pops into your life when, when you start presenting things that are authentic and real to you. Like now I'm back into baseball after feeling... For the last, since 2014, that baseball was the worst sport in the whole world because I was bitter about it. And now I'm back in it and I'm coaching 13-year-olds. And, like, that's a wild journey in itself, coaching 13-year-old kids and, like, random things. of just, you know, it's just, like, I don't know. It's, it's funny how when people say everything works out for a reason, I think a lot of people say that at the wrong time. Yeah. Like... People said that to me weeks or days after I lost a loved one. That's not when you want to say that because that shit is not for a reason at that moment. Like, come on, figure it out. But when you go through that path and you go through that journey and you go through four, five, six years down the road and you start to unravel these things and what they mean to you, then yes, you can see, you can look in front of you and, and hold what those reasons could be. And it's a little, a little bit easier to grasp instead of, so I think that phrase is true and it holds weight. But I think some people say it, you know, the wrong moment. I don't think they mean ill intention by it. I just think that it's like some cliche that they've heard that they want to say. But like you know, the language language matters, especially when you're dealing with delicate situations. And I think there could be a little bit more education on that. But but yeah, I mean, the universe works in great ways.
0: What would you encourage people to kind of shift towards saying kind of in those moments rather than, hey man, like it's all gonna be it's gonna work out? Cause I think that is there's a lack of education piece there or speaking just from inexperience even, you know yeah. and So they, they draw on the cliches. What would better serve for someone that is in that moment?
1: Well, yeah, it comes from one, like, death and all that stuff is very uncomfortable. I don't think it needs to be because death is, is just a part of life. You know, we, it's all going to happen. Everyone's going to die. So I think there needs to be a conversation about that too. I mean, yeah, and, and not educated, really. And so it's not so much about like you don't have to say this like big grandiose thing like the simpler the words the better the more meaningful the words the better whether someone has dealt with a loss or they're struggling deeply with their mental health words such as literally i love you i'm here for you how can i best support you those words mean everything you want to validate and appreciate if you can do both of those things with your words you're, you're a lot better off than just saying cliches. And, and one of the most important factors when dealing with someone who's struggling is that you have to mean what you say. If I tell you, Corey, that I, I, can, I can be there when you're struggling, like if you're struggling, I'm, I'm willing to sit in the dark with you. That's something I can do for you. And then when you're actually struggling and you call me and I'm not available or I'm not around or I choose not to show up, that reinforces the fact that you think you're alone and that you're a burden and no one wants to help you. So it's actually way more beneficial to be honest and upfront with people. If you come to me and tell me that you're struggling and you need help and I'm open and honest with you and say, I don't have the space or capacity to help you right now because I'm also struggling, that common bond and that connection will actually help us more than me just throwing random shit against the wall. And so it's about, it's about standing behind the words you say, one, being about it and really, really meaning what you say and saying things that validate and appreciate someone. I'm here for you. I love you. How can I best support you? Or just literally sitting next to them, holding them, touching them, you know, that stuff goes much farther than your random kind of empty cliche.
0: Oh, I love where you went with that. I think personally, I think that's why I struggle to connect with a lot of non-athletes in my life is because I'm so used to, given our experiences, we are some of the best people on this planet at backing up our words. Mm -hmm. I I know someone that played at the division one level at the very least, you know, is someone that doesn't just say shit just to say shit. They're going to follow through on it. So if they say, hey, I'm here for you. Like, it's like, oh, okay, cool. I can trust that. But I've also had plenty of experiences in life outside of athletics where someone has told me, hey, like, I'm going to be there. And then you, you go for the, give them a call and they're not there. It's like, no wonder I have my own trust issues in certain situations. I think we all do. But yeah, meeting on that common ground, I think goes such a long way. And that's an added layer to that support group, you know, philosophy mm-hmm. that you brought up earlier. I think, the sooner you can find middle ground with people, that's going to still learn lead to a larger and more impactful connection over time. You know what i mean
1: right yeah it's it's as simple as if you feel like you're misunderstood, you have to go out and try to understand people if you yeah. if you're feeling like you're not loved, go out and love more. you know like you got to become what you're trying to attract in your life,
0: which is tough to hear right like if you're coming from a place of why is no one loving me? it's a challenge it's a burden almost to then go out and express love but this actually came up on the recording that i did before this of we can only receive at the level that we're willing to give Mm -hmm. so understanding that it's like all right well maybe that's not the advice people want to hear in this moment especially if they're struggling but it's almost like double down on it it's like yeah basically in sports right when things weren't clicking it was like all right well double down on it. Like hit a few more extra balls after practice or throw a few more pitches or swim an extra few laps and double down on that craft because it has worked for you in the past and it will continue to work for you if you allow it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent.
0: What's the main focus for you now? Obviously I think we're on this mental health journey is an internal one. I don't think Mm -hmm. there's ever it exactly is a journey. It's not a destination where we sit, we drive to a place and we're like, all right, cool. Like, I'm great. <laughs> I feel worthy now. Like, I know it's one of those things that it comes in waves personally. Like, I still have days where that feeling of worthiness and self-worth isn't always there. I'm mm-hmm. sure you can relate to that as well. Where are you at in your journey and kind of what has helped you keep moving forward in that?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, like I've mentioned, the support groups. But an exercise routine is the number one thing, like in terms of outside of the support groups, like finding different ways to move my body uh, has been amazing. Like I've always been like a gym bro. So I always like to just go in and get after it. But I've slowly added just a bunch of other things into my regimen. You know, now I'm super into yoga, which got me super into meditation and mindfulness practice, which is a huge thing for your mental health and becoming more aware. I just started running 20 miles every single day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At 2 a.m. and like make your bed. Right. Exactly. I made my bed four times today. (laughs) Perfect. Crushing it, dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm rolling along. Also started biking or cycling, whatever you want to call it. But exercise. Yeah, for sure. And, but I, th- I mean, I think those two are my biggest, but also people talk about what's your purpose or finding your purpose, which can be really challenging. Like I feel like I didn't, I didn't find my purpose until, you know, something really awful happened to me. And then I had to take that and what it meant to me and kind of figure out how to turn the pain into purpose. And so if you don't feel like you have a purpose right now, it's coming. You got to just keep trying new things, experiencing new things, talking to new people, going out and doing stuff. But for me, yeah, having a purpose and being able to wake up every day and know that I can go and do this has definitely helped my mental health and just having more conversations with people about it. And, you know, just knowing that the things that I feel are not, you know, I feel survivor's guilt all the time. I feel like, why do I deserve to be happy? You know, when someone I loved was deeply struggling. Yeah. So I feel, you know, survivor's guilt. I feel like why do I deserve to be happy when someone I loved deeply was, was struggling so much. And so Navigating those feelings while also having conversations with people who feel the same way and knowing that, you know, ultimately we do deserve happiness, no matter what has happened in our life, we do deserve to live and, and find fulfillment in that. And so those, those are kind of the things I struggle with, you know, semi regularly, but those are the key kind of factors in improving and trying to maintain a stable and healthy mental health for me.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing to remember, too, especially when we're talking about passion and purpose, is understanding that like there is no set timeline. It's not like you turn 21 and you're allowed to drink and or you turn 18, you quote unquote, it's like so many of us are going through our day to day life, like thinking like, why haven't I figured this out? Why haven't I figured this out? We're spending so much time and energy and being frustrated when that time and energy can be spent towards discovering more and playing more. And I I love that you brought up the exercise routine being a non-negotiable for you and a big cornerstone habit in your day-to-day life and what that has unfolded into. I mean, I I know personally, I talk about this all the time. I used to look at like visualization, meditation, that kind of stuff as built in nap time into my days when i was swimming and i i wish i wish 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 i took that more seriously Mm -hmm. because now i see the profound impact that it's had on just my overall being not just my performance but just my ability to be a human and it's unlocked so many things so it sounds like same kind of timeline thing for you it's like you've detached from that timeline. and You're just kind of letting things be for once rather than that athlete mentality of like, I have to be doing, if I do X amount of reps by this time, like then I'll qualify for this team or whatever that may look like.
1: That's absolutely right. You know, like the mind body connection is like, so it's deep. It's everything. Like it's all the same. Your physical health, your mental health, it's all the same. It's all connected. It's inseparable. And so we got to work on it both as my favorite performance psychologist says, Dr. Michael Gervais says you can only train the mind the body and the craft and a lot of times we we ignore the mind, but it's one of the biggest keys, especially as an athlete right training optimism training grit training resilience working on a meditation practice and a mindfulness practice, it sounds kind of dumb, like it did when I was in college. And I started try to do this stuff. But now it's like the most important things that I talk to people about and that I implement in my own life. Yeah, and back to your other point was that like, as an athlete, there's always an age limit. Like if I don't do this by the time I hit 30, I'm too old and I'll never be able to make it. Now I'm about to turn 29. You know, it's June 4th right now, June 29 on June 15th. And I feel like I'm not even hitting my stride yet. Like my peak maybe at 50 at 60, like that's amazing. And so there's a total different like reframe of that, like age and where I need to be and and what I need to be doing
0: now. Yeah. I think that, We can't stress that enough. And two, to your point of training the mind, it's like we overlook the importance of it, which is why I love what you do. It's very in alignment with things that I'm doing as well. It's like if we actually make time for it and prioritize it, ironically, we are almost gifted back pockets of time and energy in these other areas that we, Mm. but we just don't see the value. We can't see the value in it right now because we're holding on to this old belief of I need to constantly be doing. And if I'm not making calls and outreach or whatever videos, content all the time, then I'm not doing the best that I can do, but that's not really the case.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I couldn't have said it better. It's hundred percent, you know? Yeah. It's great.
0: I love it, man. I got the fast five for you, which are five, one sentence or one word answers, rapid okay. fire speed here. All
1: right. Number one, number
0: one is what's your go-to podcast that you're listening to? Mitchell or Jay Shetty. Both great choices. Number two, what's your go-to book that you've read in the past year? How to be a human. Ooh, I've not read that one. It sounds like a great topic though, based on- But I go, I go back to
1: uh, the one that I read the most is the seven spiritual laws of success.
0: Love it. Great yeah. read, great read. Number three is, what's a quote that you live by? You are loved for sure,
1: 100%. It means the most to me. I totally believe it. Like within every ounce of my body, I believe
0: it. I love that, man. Number four is, what's something that you can't live without? Coffee and the gym. Great combo. yeah. <laughs> last are you are you a black coffee pre-workout kind of guy
1: yeah i mean no i I like uh i mean i'll drink black coffee because it tastes great but i like a little french vanilla in there a little french vanilla creamer
0: okay i wasn't sure if you were like an anti-pre-workout guy or you were getting your pump onto some of that stuff too
1: yeah i don't really do pre-workout i'd rather just drink coffee or i just get after it anyways
0: that spoken like a true athlete right there pre-workout <laughs> yeah. number five what's your one word focus at this point in time hmm staying grounded grounded love that play where your feet are yeah aaron, Ooh, yeah mm, jackson play where your feet are whatever you want to go by today <laughs> i like that you call me aaron it's it's nice Aaron, man, I just want to take a second before I plug where people can find you. Just acknowledge you, man. The work that you're doing is definitely way bigger than you. I appreciate it. I see the vision and I know it's helping so many people out there. So I just want to say I appreciate you taking the time to come on here, share a little bit about your journey and your story, because I know it's going to resonate with a lot of people because it resonated with me. So thank you. That being said, where can people keep up with you, all the great things that you're doing? Nonprofit wrestling coaching you name it where can they find you
1: well thank you for saying that it means a lot and hopefully I'll have you on my pod and we'll get a little bit more insight about you but I appreciate that very much but you can follow me I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter mostly I really like Twitter Twitter's my big space but just Jackson Jacksonstone underscore or you can go to jacksonstone.net where everything is like available coaching speaking links to all, everything and a nonprofit is at youarelovedlife.com. And so if you listen to this and you have any mental health questions, concerns, comments, you need to get some help, you want extra resources, you want to dive deeper, you just want to chat, please reach out. I answer every DM. And so love to hear from you. So appreciate that.
0: You answered my DM, so here we are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Instagram is a great place for that, for connection.
0: So social social media. I always try to remind people, use it as being social. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We would love your feedback and if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts with your biggest takeaways from today's episode. Remember, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life one thought followed by one action at a time. I will see you all on Monday for a deep dive into improving focus for flow.